Mark chapter 5 is where we're at. Mark chapter 5 records the familiar, common story in the Gospels of, of Jesus casting out demons out of a man and making them go into a herd of pigs. And this story gives us, this event gives us a very important truth, very powerful fundamental truth about the situation in the world. That there is a spiritual battle going on. There's a spiritual battle of two sides. The sides are not equal, but there is a real battle between two sides that are polar opposites. There is God and Satan. Satan is waging a war against God. He can't win it. He's not equal with God in any way. He was created by God as an angel, but he wages a war. He does have power. And he wages a diligent war against God at every turn. And it is a war of darkness and evil. God is light and perfectly righteous. And Satan is full of darkness. And he tries to promote as much evil on the earth as he can. He tries to control people and influence people and lead people into all evil and to destructive evil where they destroy themselves. And in this demon-possessed man, we see that embodied. Uh, we see what demons want to do with a person and what Satan's goal is with people. And it's basically to destroy their lives and to kill them. And this is what Satan is doing in the world, and it is real. It is happening today. This battle is going on today. And Satan is trying to control people and uh, direct them into evil and in darkness, just like he did here with this man. And some it's in the form, of extreme form of, of possessing people through demons. Others it's more indirect of, of influencing them and, and uh, directing them in their minds to follow all kinds of sin and think that's the way to live and that's the thing to pursue in life in Ephesians Paul wrote in chapter 2 about how Satan is the God of this world that the world is under the sway of the devil and is serving this Satan and is following him in his works of disobedience that's the state of the world this situation shows us it gives us a glimpse of that that there is a Satan there are demons and they are numerous and they are powerful and they are at work in the world today in many different ways pushing all kinds of evil and darkness it's a reality it's something we must be aware of and the, and the reality is we will deal with that and we're encountering that and I think we're encountering it more and more in ways that uh, we may not fully recognize and we have the wonderful truth here of Jesus encountering that those powers of darkness and showing that he has all power over them and that those powers are in subject are come subject to him and then are removed by him and this man is cleansed and uh, redeemed and he is changed and we see the salvation of God and I want to look at it and I want to apply it in a big way the big picture that we can I think apply it to God's purposes for the earth 
and that this is a microcosm picture of what's going to happen with the earth, that it's under the rule of darkness and under the power of darkness, under Satan, but Jesus is going to liberate it one day and he's going to fill it and cleanse it with his righteousness and with his perfection and that's what the future holds and we need to remember that and realize that is where we're headed all right let's look at these details then they came to the other side of the sea the sea of galilee to the country of the gadarenes and when he had come out of the boat immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now there we see the sad, sad picture of what demons and Satan do to people. And that's gonna, that instructs us about some things. And before we look at that, I just want to make one note that uh, as you study the other Gospels, uh, and you'll see this account, I believe there is an account in Matthew, yes. All three, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, record this event. Luke and Mark only talk about one man. Matthew says two men met Jesus. And I just want to make a note, an explanation of how do we look at this? Because some would look at this and say, uh, the Bible is, has a contradiction. One says one thing, another says another. One says there was two men there, another says there was one man there. So who's right? And it means the Bible has an error in it. And why is there a contradiction here? The answer is in there's no contradiction. We have to keep in mind the dynamics of relating events in a report. This happens all the time with newspaper articles. Or if somebody recounts an event. When somebody tells you about something that happened and you weren't there, they don't always include every single detail that happened in that situation. They're not trying to mislead you. They're not trying to deceive you. They just chose not to include all the details. They just included the details they felt like were the ones they wanted to focus on and were the ones most important. And that's what happens here. We can say, then, from Matthew saying there were two, that what really happened was that as they came off of the Sea of Galilee and down from the mountain came two men out of these tombs. But only one of them came up to Jesus and began to confront him and talk to him. Matthew mentions the two. Mark and Luke just focus on the one who was the spokesman and was the one who spoke and pressed upon Jesus and the one who got changed. And so Mark and Luke just chose to focus on that detail, but they didn't, they're, not, they're not contradicting what Matthew said. They just didn't include the fact that there were actually two, but only one was a spokesman. It would be much like a situation like, say there's some crowd of people at a protest or something, and uh, somebody's relating a story about it, what happened, and said, well, this person was here, and a person came up to them, and they said this, and they did that, and then this person, and they did this, and they had this confrontation. 
But there was a whole crowd of people there. They may not even talk about that. They may just say, this person walked up and another person walked up and they said this. And they just may focus on the one person who spoke. And they didn't talk about the whole crowd. Another may say, there was a whole crowd of people and out of that crowd, one person stepped forward and they said this, this, and this. That's like, I believe, what happened here. What the answer is, is Mark just focuses on the one who was the spokesman and spoke and just didn't mention the other one. Didn't think it was significant. Just didn't do it. Matthew does mention that there were, in fact, two men. So that's an answer. There's no contradiction. That's an explanation for it. And so this one man comes up to him and challenges him and speaks to him. Uh, actually, we're going to see immediately he, uh, he, he's, he's, we see the power of Jesus begin to affect him immediately. But we see a description of this man in his darkness. And I think these are instructive for us about the traits and the signs of darkness in our world today. And we will see some parallels to these things. And I'll point those out. The man had an unclean spirit, it says. Unclean in the Bible has a specific reference to immoral conduct, sexually immoral conduct. When you see the list of sins in Galatians about the works of the flesh, it'll talk about, it'll have a whole list of, of uh, sexual sins, and in the, one of them is uncleanness. And it, that's that word. It's the word that just means vile, dirty activity. And the Bible applies that specifically to the sin of homosexuality. It's unclean. And it says this man had an unclean spirit. And uh, demons are very much involved in, and they move people and possess people to engage in immoral activity. And that's what was going on with this man. He was unclean. And that could be a part of the answer. We could just connect the dots here, and I think we could do so pretty credibly, that these two men were living out in a graveyard together, and they had unclean spirits. And they were engaged in homosexuality. That's what demons do. Demons are behind all the sexual morality we see in our country that is just so pervasive. There's, it's more an answer just people are just, they're just trying things new. No, there's demon activity behind a lot of this junk. That's what demons do. That's a part of how they try to devastate people. They just try to get them to uh, throw off all constraint all uh, of uh, standards of right and wrong and just do whatever and one of those areas is in the area of relationships pursuing all kinds of uncleanness and it makes no sense it's unnatural and it destroys people and you look and say well why would they do something that was so you know it just doesn't make sense and why would they even want to do that and and it's so destructive because of demons Demon activity is behind a lot of this. That's what you see here when it says he had an unclean spirit. Next, he was dwelling among the tombs. And this is a trait of demonic activity and Satan's work in people is a fascination and an over-preoccupation with death. 
and the realm of the dead. And this man wouldn't live in a house. He didn't live with, in the towns and in the normal situation. He wanted to go out and live in the graveyard because of his demonic possession. This demon was, these demons, we see there will be many, uh, they just made him preoccupied with death and he wanted to live out around dead people. He wanted to live in the graveyard. And I think we're seeing a manifestation of that today in our modern culture. And I've, I've seen it over the last uh, 30 years in culture where there has been a dramatic increase and in fascination and interest in occult and uh, anything dealing with the dead and the realm of the dead. It has increased with movies. It has become the uh, very prominent genre in movies and in books about that's, that's what fueled all of the movies and all the TV series about vampires and zombies and all of that is all a part of this. It's a fascination with the realm of the dead and the source of it is Satan and his demons. They want to get people fascinated with that realm of death probably for various reasons that will just destroy them. It's, it's totally opposite of God who's life and they just want to be near everything that's dead. And I think Satan's goal is that those people will get so comfortable with deadness and, and even become fascinated about it that they'll get to the point where they'll just want that and they'll kill themselves. And I think that's likely a big part of what we see happening in our culture today where the suicide rate among the younger generation is going through the roof. And it is the highest it's ever been and continues to increase. That's not by mistake. The two are related and it's a manifestation of this very thing. He dwelt out in the tombs. And we have all of this fascination with, with deadness. Zombies and vampires. I even see it now coming with uh, the people dress and, and, and how they wear makeup. Uh, these girls that will dye their hair black put on pale makeup, paint black fingernails, make themselves look like they're walking dead, like they're a zombie. They think that's neat. That's coming into our culture. I see it. I'll go into convenience stores. The person behind the counter looks like Count Dracula. What's up with that? It's exactly this thing. They're fascinated with the dead, and they want to act like it. That's like this demon-possessed man. And I'm not saying that every one of them are demon-possessed, but they are being influenced even by demons. But some of them might be. We've got to realize this is real. It is happening. And it increases as people open themselves up to it. And that's a big part of demon possession. Has to be a lost person, number one. Holy Spirit will not allow an unclean spirit to come in. But a person that's lost doesn't have the holy spirit if they open themselves up through occultic things through the realm of the dead all these satanic things it opens them up to demon possession that's how it works that's how it happens that's what happened with this man we don't know the details but that's what happened in his own life and he wound up going off the deep end he's out now living in the graveyard fascinated with everything that's dead we see that in our own culture then, verse 4, he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been put, pulled apart by him and broken in pieces. 
Here's a trait of demon possession is superhuman power. And it's real. The Bible tells us he can break chains. And the fact is, angels, spirit beings, have more power than human beings. God has put them, he said, God, the Bible says God made man a little lower than the angels. That, it, that means even physically in the realm of physical, but also I think it means physical strength. They have superhuman strength that we don't have. And when demons in, possess somebody, they are able to convey some power to them where they can do things beyond their human strength. That's a reality. It's a reality in the world today. I've heard you hear stories of uh, some of it, you know, you can't believe every story you hear because some of it, there's a lot of embellishment, especially among the charismatic movement, because it plays well and they like to get the attention. They like to have a bunch of big stories and stuff of casting out demons. But some of them are probably accurate. And I've heard stories uh, like uh, a little girl and several men try to restrain her and she's throwing grown men around the room. That could happen. Don't know if that story that that person told me was not uh, made up because they wanted to make it up for whatever reason, but that story could happen. The Bible tells us they have superhuman strength. And that's what was going on. That's what we see here. He could break chains through the power of the spirits in him. And then verse 5, night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. A mark of demon possession, demon activity is self-destructive actions physically where you harm your body. You do things to your body that aren't right, aren't normal. You harm yourself in some way. I feel like this is a manifestation of what we're seeing with all the body piercing today. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's uh, what God wants us to do. It goes across the line of caring for our bodies like we should. And I think it flows out of all of what, of what we just talked about, all of the, this darkness mentality in our culture that comes through all the movies and stuff, all the occultic stuff, and all this fascination with the dead. Then it translates into, let me just butcher up my body and think that's a wonderful thing to do. And then the extreme manifestation that we even see, they talk about, well, where's all this coming from? Where youth cut themselves, it comes from demons. Just like here. The Bible tells us. This is what demons do. They try to get people to harm themselves. And then the ultimate of it is suicide. Just kill yourself. And I think that is behind where our generation has come up where they put their minds on all of this death and murder and dying and occult stuff and death and it doesn't take them very much to take that last step and just kill themselves and that's why we see a high suicide rate in our culture and the youth generation today it's because of the powers of darkness and work in our culture and people opening themselves up to it. And we've been very careless in a lot of ways and all this, a lot of this stuff. That Satan is real. These powers are real. And we don't need to play around with them at all. And the Bible tells us to have nothing to do with witchcraft and sorcery. Anything manifests manifest with that, we need to separate ourselves from it. Because it is the realm of, of the power of Satan. It is nothing to play around with. 
that's what we see manifested here. It's Jesus now enters this situation, confronts it, and we see the power of darkness subject to him. When, uh, verse 6, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. That's an amazing statement. These, these demons are recognizing, acknowledging the truth here. Is that Jesus is Lord, Jesus made them, and they bow down and worship him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Okay, here's part of the answer I just thought about. Why would they do that? Why would they go and worship him? They were trying to pacify him. They were saying, please don't, don't do anything to us. Don't torment us. Don't send us off. They were afraid that Jesus was about to do something to them. That's why they worshiped him. So it was insincere worship, as always comes from Satan or demons. And false religion. Let's throw that in there because that could be a part of all law of the false worship today. Churches that call themselves churches, but they are having not the Spirit of God within them. They fall down subject to Jesus, and Jesus says in verse 8, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? He answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So they were scared of Jesus. And that's something we always need to remember. That in dealing with the powers of darkness, they are above us. They, they, are, can, they are intimidating. They could make us afraid. Although we need to be careful that we're not too afraid. Because these demons are afraid of Jesus. And in the Bible, we see instruction and direction that in dealing with spiritual powers of darkness, speaking the name of Jesus is what we should do. And there's power in that because they are subject to Jesus. And if you ever encounter a situation like that, that's what you should do. You should speak to those powers in the name of Jesus that they need to leave, that they are not welcome here in the name of Jesus. I don't know if you or I will either directly confront that in our life, but you could. And if you do, and I believe some Christians have, that's what you need to do. They trembled at the name of Jesus. They said, we know who you are. You are Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. Do not torment me. They, they recognized all judgment had been committed to Jesus, and Jesus will cast them into the lake of fire in the end. Notice the number. They are legion, for we are many. That was the name given to a squadron, or not a squadron, but a, a unit of soldiers in the Roman army. There was enough of them to go into 2,000 pigs. But I think we can say it's beyond that because a Roman legion consisted of at least 6,000 soldiers, and sometimes there were more than that. So... We could say here that there were thousands of demons in this man. And that tells us that sometimes that's the situation. There is an overwhelming situation here that's far above us, but Jesus can handle it, just as he did here. We have this powerful truth of the demonstration of the power of Jesus over the powers of darkness. We need to always remember that. Jesus' power is greater. He has all power over all 
of the spiritual powers of demons in the world. And as John says, greater he is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, then we go on. The, the pigs go down and drown themselves. That was probably a way for them just to escape out of those pigs to try to get into somebody else next. Which Jesus teaches us, that's what demons do. They, get, they leave some person, they try to find somebody else. But look what happens to verse 15. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it had happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Here's the change that Jesus brings. The demon-possessed man was now who had been running wild in the tombs, and he wouldn't, I bet was, he wouldn't stop. He just continued just running all the time, just constantly, no restraint. Now he's sitting down. He's controlled. He's calm. He's at peace. And he's also clothed now. That tells us he was unclothed before. That was a part of the unclean spirit that was in him, the uncleanness. And he was just running around without any clothes on. That was immodest, immoral, and that was a part of his immorality, which we see in the world today, is they're trying to just take their clothes off more and more and more, and be more and more indecent for the purpose of trying to promote immorality. And just have immorality all the time. That's what demons are doing in our world today. Demons are behind that. All of the pornography, all of the immorality, all of the immodesty in the world, in the advertisements, all that, demons are behind that. Convincing people to do those things. But Jesus changed this man, and now he's clothed, and he's in his right mind. There again... We see the importance of the mind. That's the center of our control of, of ourself. It is the center focus, it is the, the place of our spirit. And the unclean spirit was controlling his mind to all these evil things and destructive things. And now he was in his right mind because the demons had been removed. So we see here the cleansing. Jesus removes the demons from this man. And now he is made whole and notice he then he verse 17 verse 18 he who had been demon possessed begged him that he might be with him however jesus did not permit him but said to him go home to your friends and tell them what great things the lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you and he departed and began to proclaim in decapolis all that jesus had done for him and all marveled jesus took the powers of darkness, removed them, and restored this man to a rightness, to a right mind and a right body. I think that's a picture we can take of what God's going to do with the earth, what Jesus is going to do to the earth. The earth now is under the power of Satan, under darkness. The rulers of darkness are carrying out their work around the world. We see it coming in our own culture and just rising up and taking over. We see it in our country, totally destroying our country and the lives of people. They walk up to you and they've got things stuck all over their bodies. They got tattoos from head to toe. Satan is just destroying people's lives. Just wrecking them. Just like this man. And this is how the world is. But Jesus is going to come. As he came across that Sea of Galilee, he's going to come 
back to the earth and he's going to redeem it. He's going to cleanse it and he's going to remove all the powers of darkness out of the earth and he's going to restore the earth to its wholeness and to its rightness. And the world's going to be restored to what it should be, just like this man. I believe that's a truth we can take from this and be encouraged by it and apply it to us. And I want us to be encouraged with that truth today. To conclude, I want to read a text in the Old Testament that goes along with this in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 that I believe is a great statement of this summarizing this truth. I would encourage you to memorize this text of Scripture and to say it to yourself often and let it remind us of this truth about our future. First Chronicles 29, verse 10 and following. Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. And David just proclaims that great truths that God is over everything and he, to him belongs all the power and the victory and the glory forever. And he's going to be exalted as head over all in the end, over all of the opposition against him. And that's how everything's going to end up. And that's the truth we know. And that's the reality of our future. And as we encounter this, this, this darkness, uh, powers of darkness, it can be discouraging. It can feel overwhelming at times. As the, as the uh, I imagine the disciples encountered the demon-possessed man who was so fierce and so powerful and so extreme, I'm sure they were just shaking, scared, stiff, overwhelmed. Because really, they couldn't handle that. But Jesus could. And Jesus did. And Jesus showed them how he could take care of the situation. And they could put their trust in him. But he had the power. He had the victory. He had the kingdom. His kingdom would come in the end. And it came for this man in his life. Where the kingdom of God now came into him. And now his, he was filled with the Holy Spirit rather than an unclean spirit. And God did that work in him. God's going to do that work on the earth. Not everybody's going to be saved. Most will not be saved. But God's going to do that on the earth and for his elect and for the saved. And when he's going to come back, Jesus is going to come back for that purpose. He has now opened the door for uh, forgiveness now to be rescued out of the kingdom of darkness. And then he's going to come back and he's going to issue a final judgment, execute a final judgment on the earth against all the powers of darkness. And the powers of darkness are going to tremble before him, just as these demons trembled before Jesus. And they're going to say, please don't, don't throw us into the, to the pit. And Jesus is going to do it. He's going to throw them into the everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. He's going to throw them all in there. He's going to deal with the powers of darkness. And then all the earth is going to be cleansed. It's going to, all the powers of darkness, all the destruction is going to be removed. Every demon is going to be removed. 
All evildoers are going to be removed. All evil is going to be removed. It's going to be cleaned up. It's going to be restored to its wholeness. Just like that man sitting there at peace, clothed in his right mind, wanting to serve Jesus now. That's going to happen in the future, and that's going to be the millennial reign of Jesus on the earth. And it's coming. And he's going to do that. First Chronicles 29 speaks of that. Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power. Yours is the power over all the demons, all the rulers of darkness. Yours is the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty. You're going to have the victory over all of evil in the end. You are exalted as head over all. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. His kingdom is going to come on the earth in the end. All of this opposition we're seeing, all of this evil agenda is going to be defeated one day. And the kingdom of God is going to come on the earth in righteousness and peace and full justice where everything's going to be made right. And the earth is going to be given a right mind. Just like that man was restored to his right mind. This is what's coming. And I, want to, I, I, I think we need that encouragement as we deal with all of these difficult things and these frustrating things and, and it's going to be repressive things. We need to keep our eyes on the future and say this to ourselves. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. And that's exactly what Jesus prayed. It's how he chose to end his prayer in the model prayer. He prayed that. He quoted it. Yours, O Lord, is the power, the glory, forever. And we need to say that to ourselves on a regular basis. To stay encouraged and to stay confident that Jesus is going to deal with the powers of darkness running rapids on the earth today. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great power as the Son of God. And you come to the earth to deal with evil. And you dealt with it at the cross. You defeated the works of Satan and evil on the cross. And you opened the door to your kingdom and eternal life and forgiveness. And by your grace, we've walked through that door. And we're now serving you in your kingdom. And we, but we know there's a, the final victory remains to be exercised with your second coming. When you'll come and you'll remove all of the powers of darkness at work that are destroying people's lives. And we say, Lord, with John, come quickly, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. You are the only solution. We, you're the only one that can deal with this. And we ask you to give us your power. Give us your strength to serve you in the midst of all this evil. As we wait for you to return, and wait to you, for you to restore the earth, to liberate the earth from its bondage and bring perfect righteousness and peace on the earth. We praise you and worship you for your great plans in carrying all of this out. Help us to be your witnesses of these things to others, that they may be saved and be a part of your kingdom like this demon-possessed man became. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.